first English episode of The Rad Times, since we're having a lot of new followers and new listeners just because it's the first episode in English, I think we need to do a little introduction. So basically, my name is Andres. I was born in Venezuela. I moved to California to go to college. Now I'm currently living in Stockholm, Sweden. And what is the Rad Time Podcast? So the Rad Time Podcast is just a collection of stories. So basically, each episode is just nice storytelling. And it was a project that I wanted to start years ago, but I never had kind of the courage or the energy to just do it. And then during this pandemic time, since I have a lot of free time, I decided was... I needed to take a, take the step and do it, and I did it, and I'm super, super happy about it. The first seven episodes, they were in Spanish, since it's my first language, but then I realized that I was ready to do the next step, and the next step was to do start doing episodes in English. So basically, I was looking for material, looking for stories, looking for people who were, were willing to tell the travel stories, and then this happened. So in this episode, you guys are about to meet Gina. Gina is from England, and she currently lives here in Sweden. And just a little intro about the story. She went to the UK for Christmas, and then she was trying to fly back. Or she actually flew back to Sweden. The only problem is that she flew back to Sweden during the pandemic. I don't want to tell you is more about or getting to details because I feel that Gina is the one who has to tell you how everything went down. Being that said, I just want to say thank you so much again for everyone who's here. This is just the first episode in English. From now on, we're gonna try, gonna try to do maybe one or two episodes in English per month. So just remember to follow us on Instagram, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So... I just want to say stay safe, wear your mask, and be kind to each other. I think during this hard time, one of the most important things is just be kind to each other. Okay? So, ciao, ciao. You're a teacher here. I yeah, I teach at the international school. Yeah. International school. Nice, nice. So they saw you on TV and it's like, how do they call you in school? Miss, Miss, what's your last name? Miss My Mar- last name is Smart, which is kind of <laughs> <laughs> Miss, Miss Smart. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah, they were, they were shocked that I was on TV. I bet. Those, do they do the interview in Swedish or like no, English, I guess, right? No, they did it in English. I don't really know Swedish that well. Uh-huh. I should know. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing the SFE. I just had like five hours of lessons today. It's intense, isn't it? It's it is pretty intense. And it's, it's hard over Zoom meeting. It's just, it's just weird. And it's, I, like half of my class is these moms. They have like kids running around. So it's like you're trying to focus and then you see kids running around naked in the back and you're like, okay. <laughs> Everybody like mutes the microphone i guess uh, yeah but it's, it's hard when you have like 15 people i don't know we'll yeah. see. anyways so how are you how, how does it feel to be back home it feels good yeah i mean 
It was quite it's an little... experience, right? Yeah, it feels like it didn't happen to me, I think. Brilliant. It feels like everybody's shocked at work. And I feel like this is kind of a normal, th I don't know, I can't explain it. It, it doesn't feel that shocking to me. A question that I have, was this, you were in Sweden, then you went back to the UK for Christmas, and yeah. then you were coming back, because Sweden is where you live, you live in Stockholm. I live in uh, Jönköping. Oh, Jönköping, okay, okay. Yeah. How long have you been living in Sweden? Uh, like one and a half years now. All right, all right, all right. So yeah, so I went to visit family, and then I went for Christmas because I hadn't seen them for a year. And I was like, it's going to be, everything's going to be fine because I knew loads of people that had traveled before. And like previously in the year who lived in the UK during Corona times and they were fine, like nothing happened to them. So I thought it would be okay. And then as I'm like boarding the plane, I read the news and my friend is sending me a message about the new covariant in the UK. Right. And I'm thinking like, oh my God, should I get on this plane? Should I stay? So at that moment, I think it was kind of destined that uh, this is going to happen. And then it just all like turmoiled when I was in the UK, like the ban on coming back into Sweden until the 31st of January, in 31st of December. And then they allowed people that live here to come back. So then I had a gateway through, but then you needed a COVID test. All right, all right. So everything just kept like building up. So I guess that when you were back home, you were like, okay, it's Christmas time, New Year's Eve, I'm trying to relax. But on the back of your head, you were like, okay, I have this like kind of issue that I need to yeah. deal with at some time. But you are like, I'm trying to enjoy my time with my family and friends. Yeah, I, I felt like I couldn't really relax being there because there's so many things to sort out. And I, yeah, it wasn't really the relaxing Christmas that I hoped. Yes. Oh, well, you saw your family and friends. Let's, yeah, that's exactly. a good thing, right? Oh, you didn't miss that much. It was cloudy and rainy here in December. So. Yeah, we actually had sun in the UK for once, which never happens. Oh, that's good. And okay, so you, were, you, were, you flew back home, you were with your family, and then do you had a flight ticket back or you bought the flight ticket when you were in, when you were in the UK? No, I had I'd booked my flight like three months before. So to go there and to come back. So everything was pre-booked. Right. And I was actually meant to fly back in February this year, but then it got canceled obviously because of Corona. And mm -hmm. then I saved my ticket until the, uh, December. So really? I did already have the ticket to come back. Huh, that's crazy. When I was getting my, my residence permit to move to Sweden, they were like, okay, Andres, you are from Venezuela. We need to send you, you need to get out of the European Union in order to get it. And they sent me to Venezuela and I was there and they, they closed the embassy in Venezuela. So they were like, okay, well, you need to go to your closest embassy, which is in Colombia. And it's, so they was like, yeah, you, you need to fly there for 45 minutes and then come back. <laughs> That's crazy. And I was like, <laughs> like, really? Like, can I just fly to Sweden? And the other is like, no, sorry, we can't do that. So they yeah. made me fly, like, I literally spent like $800 on US dollars on a flight just to go there, 45 minute interview, and then come back. Some, sometimes, really. If, they, if there's any Swedish people listening to this, get your shit together. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. But, but I was like, this is, doesn't make any sense. 
and then <laughs> then they were like okay your your read your resin is approved can we send it to your home it's like yeah that's perfect here's my address i will pay for the shipment and then mm -hmm. they they did a mistake and they send it to the embassy in colombia and i was like oh, oh gosh and then they sent me an email I was like, can you come and pick it up it's like no i'm not in the country <laughs> wait five minutes you know? <laughs> no, I'm not going to fly 45 minutes. I like I'm not gonna pay a flight ticket just to go and pick up on a stupid ID. It's like okay, I guess we send it to you. It's like please do. But when that happened, Corona was not a thing. There was not even 500 cases in the U.S. There was only two cases at the time. Okay. So my parents, they are doctors, and they were like, we gotta get scared of this when there's 500 cases in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And then I remember, like, it was, it was February and, like, taking pictures, joking around with a mask, you know. And then, really? Wow. Because it was not a thing. It was, at the beginning, it was just Wuhan, you know? Yeah, of course. And then came, came back here and then this, like, it just blew up, you know? Mm, yeah, it's, I mean, it's such a different, like, difference being in the UK and comparing it to Sweden. UK is having a super hard time right now. Like really uh, hard time. But everybody takes it so much more seriously than Sweden. You know, like I go to the shops and people just walk past me or they're not wearing masks. I don't know if it's the same in Stockholm, but in Yunshaping in particular, it's yeah, people aren't really respecting it. No, no, no. Here is no respect. Like here they did some rules that you need to wear a mask if you're taking mm. public transportation between seven AM and nine AM. Yeah. But <laughs> like you jump in the train and there is like i will say 30 percent only people yeah. wearing the mask you know you're like come on but there's no fine is there if you not exactly not yeah yeah so it's weird okay so you were you were back home i said okay it's time to say bye bye to my friends and family and then you pack your bags and it's like i guess i'm coming home right yeah i had my do you mean on the way there going to the uk or do you mean back to sweden coming back to sweden because you spent Christmas with your with your family, and I guess that was super fun time back home, right? Or it was kind of weird with all the restrictions. I have so yeah, many questions. It was, it was nice to see them, like after not seeing them for a year, and I packed everything, and I was super happy to come back to Sweden, feeling refreshed. And then um, I had my COVID test, which was stressful to sort out, but I managed to find somewhere, and I paid one hundred pounds, like one thousand Swedish crowns, to get this mm. test two days before and yeah I had all the documents I'd applied for my residency before Brexit happened so I had all my papers in this file thinking okay once I get through everything's going to be fine like once I've got through the airports because I was a bit stressed in the airport as well because of like corona I didn't want to catch anything exactly. anyway, and having all the documents and then I got through like to the border control in the UK and then to um, the flight attendants where they let you on to the plane and they checked through all my documents, they checked my tests and at that point they were stopping a couple of people already because they had the NHS test which is like the National Health Service okay. in the UK so they had um, a test. Is the, is the NHS test like the, the, like the one who's like super uncomfortable that goes like up in your nose? like? Did they do that? Yeah, they stick it up your nose and to your throat as well. That was horrible, right? I, I did that and that was just <laughs> the most, that was just like, I don't want to do this again, ever oh, again. It's horrible. I've had nine now, nine tests. Get out of here. What? 
Yeah, I've had nine tests. You have been through that process nine times. Yeah, I had like, I had four in the UK and then I had, yeah, five in Sweden. I feel so brave because I did it one time. (laughs) 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 Jesus. I mean, the ones in Sweden are the worst because they like hold you and then they stick this thing up your nose so you can't really move away. No, no, it's without, really not even, they don't even count. There's like, how, and they just like stick it. And I was like, well, it's yeah, they didn't tell you anything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Nine times. That's horrible. So the NHS is a test they did in back home in the UK, right? Yeah, I had a different, I'd paid a hundred pounds for my test, but some people had an NHS test, which was done by the National Health Service for free. Okay. So they already were like not letting them onto the plane. But then I saw those people that were arguing with the flight attendants later on, they got onto the plane. So they did let them on. All right. And I just, I think it all started from there already. It was just such a strange situation. And anyway, we, we managed to land in Gothenburg. Everybody got there that would lined up with their tests. Oh, I just... thought when I was when I was on Twitter, I thought you were in Atlanta actually, but you were in Gothenburg. No, Gothenburg. I, we were the first flight to land in Gothenburg from the UK since the travel ban. Oh gosh! So they'd not had anybody, and I'd seen like on Facebook. I'm in this Brits and Sweden group, mm-hmm. and people had already mentioned like there were some problems, and a couple of people got sent back, but we didn't really hear the details about it. All right. So I, I didn't really know that much about it at the time. It's crazy how like when you saw that people getting stopped in the UK, you were like, you started having that feeling that something is going to come up. Like this is like. Yeah. I you always get like I, that though when something happens, don't you? You don't want to listen to it, but you kind of know. Exactly. So I getting like the sweaty hands and you're just like, okay, it's not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen to me. And then like, okay. Yeah. I don't know. It was a strange day. To start when you, with. How how long is the how how long is the flight from the UK to Gothenburg? It's about two hours. All right. But it was like an extra an extra hour sitting on the plane when we arrived <laughs> <laughs> because of the police coming around checking. When I was on your Twitter and I saw the pictures like a plane and cops and I was like, oh my gosh what's happening right here <laughs> you don't expect it to happen in sweden you, I don't know. exactly and you don't <laughs> expect that to happen to you because you actually like see all the news and it's like dude you have done everything like you have took nine covid tests like you should be the one who get the pass you know exactly and swedish people didn't have any tests you know they could just <laughs> infect us on the plane and off they go <laughs> oh gosh so you, you guys landed, it was like, oh, welcome to Gothenburg. And then we're going to hang out here for a second. And then cops just went on the plane. Yeah, so basically we landed and then the pilot announced on the tannoy system, all Swedish citizens can, are free to go. British nationals need to remain seated. And at that time I was already like, why can't we just be checked at the border control? Why are they making us sit you know, on the plane? So then these like four women, four Swedish women came onto the plane, Swedish police women, and they already looked quite like angry and stern. And I felt something's not right here. Like you felt the energy. They were not happy you guys were there. Kind yeah. Of thing, you know? It was a really strange situation. Like 
that they were taking this extremely seriously because of the new covariant or Brexit. I'm not sure which one. And so they came on and started checking. There was about like 20 British nationals who had to stay seated. And they went through one by one. They checked through all the documents and they had their laptop. And there was four of them at the same time on like one person. And the first thing they asked for was the COVID test. And there was a couple of people that were allowed to go in front of me. And then some people were asked to stay seated. And then they came to me and I was like, okay, it's going to be fine. I've paid a hundred pounds for this test. Like, exactly. Like you have done your homework. Yeah. I didn't get a free test on the NHS either. So I had paid for this test yeah. and I expected it to be okay. And she checked through everything. And I was like, I gave her all my documents, like my driving license in Sweden, my residency. And she checked the COVID test, the first thing. And, she just said, okay, this isn't on the list. You're going to have to wait a minute. And she didn't tell me like it's not valid. She just told me I need to wait a minute. And I was thinking, what do you mean? It's not on the list. What, what list is this? I've never seen a list. And I didn't question her because she had already moved on already. And I thought, well, I'm, it's going to be fine. They just need to check the test. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then there was a girl behind me as well and her uh, boyfriend or her husband had been allowed off the plane because he was a Swedish citizen. All right. And she was British. So she had to stay on the plane as well. And we were just chatting and I said, we have to get through, don't we? Like we have to, they're not going to, like send us back exactly and we were like sure that we would be allowed through but then the pilot announced on the tannoy after they checked through all the 20 people there was about 15 of us left and he said all remaining people on the plane you have been refused entry into sweden get out of here <laughs> so, no <yeah>. fucking way <laughs> really just yeah. like that just like yeah. they were offering refreshments just yeah like no <laughs> like it was the most normal thing you know <laughs> like you're gonna fly back to the uk you've just you know paid all this money to come here but we're not accepting you so and at that point i was like what like i am not going back to the uk i cannot my job starts like very soon my life is here they're in a lockdown in the uk i was like i'm not doing this so like i kind of freaked out at that point and I remember just trying to find the police, the chief policewoman. And I said, I really need to speak to you. And I said, you can't do this. We live here. We have COVID tests that prove that we don't have COVID. Exactly. And she's like, well, these are the rules. This is what it is. So, yeah, we just, everyone was kind of freaking out because people had their families in Sweden, like the other halves. And also there was like a baby on the plane as well. And they wanted them to fly back with a small baby. So another two hours. Um, and then they eventually said, we're going to step off the plane because we need to let the other passengers on that are going to go on the flight back. So at this point we all stepped off and everybody's like, like British people anyway are quite, you know, <laughs> argumentative, but in this situation they were like even more crazy. 
And then they pulled back up from the Ordnings Vault. So there was like two police cars and a few Ordnings Vault and more police because we were now on the tarmac outside in like minus four, whatever temperature it was. Oh my gosh. For one hour we stayed there. I don't even know, can't remember what we were talking about, but I just remember everybody being on their phone, trying to call like the embassy or just trying to make sense of the situation. And the police were just stone cold. They just okay. said, these are the rules. Your test isn't on the list. You need to fly back to the UK. We're not accepting you. And everybody was like flipping out because we'd never seen this list. The police hadn't put it on their website. So nobody had seen it before. So it was almost like they just made something up just to not let us in. I can feel there was a lot of improvising from neither the police or the government. They were just like trying to make decisions at a time, you know, like, like there was no rule. They just like came up with random laws and lists from nowhere. Yeah, I feel like they were just changing. I mean, it changed from day to day. I remember the minister of Sweden said one day that any test is fine and now there was a list so they didn't really know themselves I guess what they were doing or how to handle the situation because firstly the plane company shouldn't have let us onto the plane if we didn't have a valid test exactly but they did and we have rights in Sweden because we'd applied for residence residency before Brexit exactly so it was such um, a difficult situation are, are you alone in Sweden or are you, you live by yourself in Sweden? So do you have someone that you call here and say, hey, I'm stuck at the airport? Like, do you call your, your job or someone? Yeah, so I'm lucky enough that I have, like, really good people at my school. I'm very close. They're like a family. Right. So everybody was helping me in the situation, like all the bosses and my friends that work there. So really? I was really lucky that I could call somebody, yeah. I had a friend who, who actually he was in Bali when this whole thing started and he was coming for the first time as a resident to Sweden. So he got a letter from the embassy, Swedish embassy in Indonesia saying that he was okay to come in. So when, when he mm. flew to Orlando, they were like, sorry, we can't let you in. But he's like, exactly as you, I'm a resident. You should let me in. Here's my test. So I think he was stuck there for like five or six hours. But he's like, okay, we're going to let you go, but we're going to retain your passport. And when this whole pandemic is over, you need to get out the suite, like get out the Schengen area, just so get a stamp in from another country and then stop out and then we, you are fine. Wow. He's like, that doesn't make any sense. No. <laughs> like you sent no. me home already. Like, just give me my passport back. And I'm more than happy to take a test again. And if I need to quarantine, I quarantine. But they were like, no, no, we, we need, you need to have a stamp to say you went out. And I was like, oh, gosh. Three months pass. And then they sent out there. It's like, sorry, we, we did a mistake. Here's your passport. And I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> These rules, they just, they just don't make sense. It's... It doesn't make sense. So you were outside for like an hour, negative four, cops everywhere. And yeah. at, that, at that point, you, you were like, I guess I'm coming home. Or you were like, I'm fucking need to come home, which is my home here in Sweden. Yeah. Like, did you, did, you, did you gave up at some point? Like, whatever happened, happened. I was like, I'm staying here no matter what. I just 
pictured me going back on the plane and I thought I'm not doing that I am not going back into a lockdown either and I'm then I get home and I have to quarantine again for 10 days before I'm allowed to come back take another test and I just pitched it in my mind and I then said to the girl that I'd met on the plane that her husband had um, gone through I said what would happen if we refused what happened we just run run. just start running right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah I should have done that I wouldn't have been retained then (laughs) Catch me if you can. Just start running. <laughs> All right. So like, what happened if you refuse to jump on the plane? Yeah. And then I, then I asked the ordnings part, and they just looked so clueless at me. They just were. Ref- everybody was. All the police were refusing to speak to us. Like we were treated like we were aliens or like some kind of like I don't know criminal that we didn't. Well, I guess a criminal would probably be treated better. They just were not communicating with us because they didn't know what to say to us. I think they felt bad for, and they, it just didn't make sense to them why we weren't allowed in. Exactly. So I asked the ordnings part, I said, what would happen if we refused to enter, uh, to go on back onto the plane? And they didn't say anything. And I, well, I was like, they would have said I would have been arrested, but they didn't say that. They said, they didn't say that I would be arrested. So I said to the woman next to me, I said, then we should refuse like not to get onto this plane. And a couple of people, maybe like six out of the 13 had got back onto the plane. And then there was like five of us left. No, seven of us left. And then the family that they had a child, they were kind of ushered into a room with the police. And it was later found out that they were allowed to go because they had a child, but we weren't told that. So they got a a different treatment to us because they had a child. That's so weird. Yeah. And then the plane left, the pilot was kind of angry because he had to wait like an hour until this flight was delayed. And he was like, are we going yet or what? And the police like, had no choice. They had to let them go. And there was just five of us left on the tarmac. So that plane just flew back with probably like 10 people on that thing. Well, also with the new passengers okay. like, that had gone from Gothenburg to the UK. So now they might have been infected by them people, you know? This is such a mess. <laughs> this is like, just like the movie. What's the name of that movie? Uh, Contagious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's exactly okay. like that. So they were like, okay, it. we cannot arrest you. you. We cannot let you in the middle of the call outside. So we're going to mm-hmm. put you into a room and then figure out what, what happened. I guess that's what they thought. So then they told us to get back onto the shuttle bus. They got a bus for us and there was five of us. There was three British women, including me, and a Cypriot woman in her 50s, and also a Norwegian man who had been visiting the UK. So we got onto the bus and the police came again and they checked our passports. But I think that was kind of like to stop us from seeing that the family were allowed to go. So they used it as like a a kind of, um, I forgot the English word. Oh my God. (laughs) Like a distraction. Exactly, exactly. From seeing what, the fact where the family were going 
Exacto. Esa what happened with the family is like, I don't know, they, they are gone. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I mean, they just disappeared. <laughs> oh, yeah. So then we got on this bus and then they took us to the passport control area where those passengers had just waited before they boarded the plane. And they left us in there and the two like Swedish policewomen said, this is where you're going to stay for a while. And we said, will we get water? One of the British women asked for bottled water and they said, no, you're not going to get water. They were just completely stone cold. And they said, you can get water from the tap over there, which was the bathroom tap. No, no. (laughs) Really? Yeah, they were completely, they just didn't want us there. They wanted us to get back on that plane and to them, we'd committed a crime. Jesus. And at this point, it was three plus you, you were four plus, so five of you. Five in total. And we just sat there talking and like on the phone to trying to get in contact with the embassy and telling our families what had happened. And then to police. That's when you you decide to go on Twitter. Yes. No, not at that point. It was later that I decided to go on Twitter. Much later, actually, which I should have done it earlier. But there was just so much happening at that point. And I didn't actually think that we would be stuck there for this long. I, I, I guess at that, at that time you were like, okay, this is just going to probably go for a little bit and then I'm going to go home. Like they're going to let me in because I have everything they request. Exactly. I thought like maybe they just need to have a look at my test again. They want to go to like the chief border police and ask them if it's okay. And I thought maybe a few hours, if that. I didn't think 26 hours I would be in this airport. <laughs> I know it so well now. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So they were like, okay, drink water from the top, stay here and just wait. So hours pass. So yeah, a couple of hours, it maybe got to nine o'clock and then the police, they changed who was on the shift, who was working. And it was two policemen, an older man and a younger man in his like 30s. And I think the younger man in his thirties was kind of like the chief policeman or he was kind of higher up. And he said, he asked us then if we would like any food. And I, I made like a joke, like, oh, do we get a menu or? (laughs) And he looked at me and he was, I was like, I'm just like asking, I don't know what the choices are. (laughs) I was like, I'm not being funny. I'm just asking. And so they eventually, well, they put the food, they went to Ica, I think, to get some food. And we got the food like five hours later. After we did there. And it was microwave. They went to like Ica in in Stockholm and came back or it took five hours (laughs) to get food. (laughs) They went on a massive excursion to get this, yeah, trip. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay, okay. So they got you guys food. Jesus, this is just horrible. They, they asked if we wanted tea and coffee as well. They brought coffee as well, but then they said, if you want tea, you need to microwave the water in one of these plastic cups in the microwave. You, you as a British, you were like, I'm insulted right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just don't understand why they couldn't just get hot water. They said, we don't have a kettle to give you. 
that bullshit they definitely yeah. have a pedal you know they knew that we liked tea so much so you know they wanted to insult us in that way yeah, like we're gonna make the film so bad that we're gonna tell them to microwave the water that's gonna make them get on the plane and just fly back <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> okay. yeah so they gave us food and they gave us some blankets to lie on so i don't know if you saw the seats that we were lying on yeah they they, they were not five-star hotels, for sure. No. <laughs> not exactly. They had, like, uh, banisters between. So you, <laughs> so you need to, like, like have your legs. Oh, oh gosh, yeah. I've, been, I've been in that situation. It's horrible. Yeah, and I just didn't imagine we were sleeping there, and the main policeman came back, and he says, the decision-maker has decided that you are going to stay. And we're like, what do you mean, the decision-maker? Who's... <laughs> The decision maker is it some kind of game like <laughs> the decision maker they just came out with someone's position from yeah. nowhere <laughs> <laughs> and we said can we know who the decision maker is and he said no you're not allowed to know the name i'm sorry was the name of that movie from with tom hanks the terminal, terminal yeah <laughs> you, I, <laughs> I guess i guess that you thought like this is just exactly like the movie yeah, and even the policeman made that joke about the even <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's funny for you, but not for me, you know. <laughs> yeah. So you were there and then what happened after you got food? So then we decided we were just talking to the embassy and we were just trying to get the story out there to the media. So we put it onto Facebook, we put it onto Twitter, and we contacted some of the news um, places in Sweden and also in the UK, the BBC and Aftonbladet. All right. Um, so we were just working till like two o'clock in the morning, just trying to get our story out you, there. I, I, re I remember going through to Twitter and then I noticed that The Local, which is a the newspaper, were they the first one who started paying attention to the situation or, or yeah, who well, was the first one who broke the story? It was really difficult because it was a Sunday evening so and people had been on the Christmas holiday so everybody wasn't back into work till Monday so we couldn't really get in contact with anybody in the evening. All right. But then on Monday morning it was the local that contacted me and asked what was happening so they were the ones that broke the story too everybody and then it just escalated from there and then you're a star who goes on tv and <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't imagine i just thought the local okay it will be in that paper that's great i didn't imagine like the bbc would contact me or the news tv4 <laughs> yes, there he is. all right and then i remember going on on twitter you at one time you said like okay the british embassy just came or like show up was mm -hmm. that like a at the end or like I mean, so there there was, 26 hours is a long time a very long time and it felt even longer i think because you're not sleeping you haven't slept there's just so many events that keep happening you see people like changing the police changing their shift and there's so much more that happened between that time before the man from the embassy came so we managed to get our voice heard in the news in the local and on facebook and twitter and then 
they had a meeting, the whole police unit had a meeting about us being detained. So they swapped police, um, the people in charge who were looking after us. There was two new people that had come into the room and I asked them, can we go outside and get some fresh air? Because we hadn't seen, it was like nine o'clock by this time when we'd woken up. I had like 15 minutes sleep, trying to sleep on those beds. So these new people, I asked them, can we go outside and get some fresh air? And they were like, yeah, but you have to wait. You're not allowed out yet. Oh gosh. Okay. So then like maybe an hour later, they decided to let us out to get some fresh air. And then they asked us, would we like some breakfast? And if we did want breakfast, we would need to pay this time for the breakfast. <laughs> they were doing their best to get us out from the country. I think, I think people trying to cross the, the, the border between Mexico and the US will get a better train. <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh, all right. Yeah, Where then they asked us to see our tests again. So they were kind of like playing with us because at that point we were like, okay, maybe they want to see our tests again so that we can go through. So they kept our tests and they'd also kept our passports, by the way. So they took our passports off us in the evening. And then we got our breakfast and were waiting to hear about what's going to happen next and then they ushered us over they said come on over to like there was like this glass screen so there was a division between us and them and they were treating us like we had the co-variant they were like stand back you know they just it was like we were cattle in a enclosed area just like the movie, just like the movie. That's crazy. Yeah, maybe they maybe they wanted to play out the movie. I don't know. Maybe they like the movie so much. Maybe they want to get you guys so scared. It's like um like maybe I don't know, that's super weird. Maybe they want to like make you feel so bad that you like just wanna go home. And that's exactly they were interrogating us, they were trying to make us feel really bad so that we would just say okay, I've had enough, I'm going home. Like torturing us in some ways, you could say. Like trying to take you into the breaking point. Kind of. Yeah, and like I think when, they did a couple of times. When enough is enough. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's like uh, I said in, my, in the newspaper article, I said it's like the Stanford prison experiment. I don't know if you know about this with Zimbardo. No, no, no. What is it? Explain, explain. It's, Tell me. So it's... So Zimbardo is the researcher and he employed a couple of people from the university to take part in an experiment where some people would be pretend Oh, I know. Some people pretend yeah. to be the, the police or like the guards from the jail and then someone was... The, the prisoners. The detainees. Yeah. And it was exactly like that. Like it's scary how when somebody is given so much power, they can do things that you would like never imagine them to do. Like they have no human qualities. Really? That's insane. Well, last yeah. year, before I got my, my permit, I was visiting my girlfriend here. And mm -hmm. then, so I, we, if you're from South America, you only allowed to be in Sweden for 90 days in a period of 180 days. 
So I came for like a week and then I had a family trip with my Swedish family to Turkey. So I came to Stockholm, spent a week and then we, we, we were on our way to Turkey. And when I was leaving, I had this guy on immigration. He was like, so you're we're here for a week and then you're going to Turkey and then you're coming back. He's like, yeah, it's a family trip. And according to the law, that's completely fine. Like it's 90 days in a period of 180. So he's like, you know what, wait a minute. He took my passport, scanned all the pages of it. And then he's like, you can go now. But just to let you know, after my shift, I'm going to go to the office. I'm going to make sure that you haven't spent one day here legally, which that means that when you're trying to come back to Sweden, I'm not gonna, we're not going to let you in. So he tells me that. What? And I'm flying to Turkey for a vacation. So I'm literally like got my passport and then just walk away. And I'm like, you just ruined my vacation. Like, like. Yeah. And then I'm like, can he say that? Can somebody say that? Like, I mean, they can, they said it to me in my face. And then of course my, my girlfriend and or her family were like, we should complain. But I, I was so fed up. I was, I just want to get out of here. Like, I just don't want to be here. And I want to deal with it. Mm. But then that guy is like, just make sure that like your days are correct. Otherwise when you come back, we're not going to let you in. And I'm like, and then you just stress out for the whole holiday. For the whole holiday, I was just in my head. I was like, I'm trying to enjoy. But at the same time, like, I remember coming to the room and just making sure that I count, that I didn't break any rules, you know, which I yeah. didn't. And then I was like, oh, this is so fucked up. <laughs> That's crazy. It's a mental game. They literally play mental games with you. It depends of, of how they wake up every morning. It's like, oh, I feel that today I'm going to be a little bitch to everyone. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely woke up on that day when I was trying to get back into Sweden thinking that <laughs> okay so they took your test and they were like talking to you guys and then what happened they said they printed off this list this time and they gave us the list and they said you need to look and see if your test is on that list <laughs> <What's happening? laughs> and okay. we like we we've seen this list thank you <laughs> and i swear one of the policemen like he was like crazy like he was laughing the whole time like i think he thought the situation was really funny for him and that's really worrying jesus i remember one of your tweets i think it was the next day you were like can i sue <laughs> who can i sue about this situation <laughs> <laughs> yeah now i understand your frustration of course so they yeah so they gave us the list and they said is your test on that list they said you need to fly back to the uk but this time they were like there's a flight this evening with british airways to london and we were like to london there is like a tier five you can't go anywhere in london and then we would have to stay in London. Like we don't live there. We live in near Manchester. So they said, well, you need to get back on this flight and you're going to have to pay for it yourself. And this flight was like 300 pounds to get back. Get out of here. Jesus. And we were like, no, we are not doing this. We are not flying back to London. But then half, we were half thinking maybe we have to. And we started to like plan that we would fly back to London. So at that point you realize that I'm not like 
I might not be able to come back. Like I'm going, yeah. I'm going back to the UK. We were exhausted, I think, like mentally and tired and like hungry and they'd cracked us. But then at that point, the media started picking up and started phoning us and messaging us and saying, can we hear your story? So like we kind of got a bit of motivation then, like maybe we can, maybe we will be allowed into Sweden with the backup of the media. Wow, really? Okay, okay. And then what happened after that? Yeah, so it was a couple of hours we were on the phone talking, talking to the local, the BBC. Did, the, the, embassy, did the embassy of, of UK ever contact you guys personally? No, we contacted them a couple of times and we were like, we really need your help. And the ambassador of the embassy was then, we got in contact with her and she knew about it and she said she's working on it. And she was having meetings with the police that were keeping us held. And we were in contact then with the deputy as well, who was calling us a lot to make sure that we were fine. And I'm really grateful for all the work that they did. Did Boris Johnson contact you? <laughs> no, Boris Johnson didn't contact me. I wish he that... did. It would have been like <laughs> the top thing. <laughs> that would be the cherry on top. <laughs> But an MP did like a, a one of the ministers. All right. My mom contacted her to tell her the situation. And she said that she's working on it. So maybe she told Boris. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really interesting to know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So then everyone was kind of working on the situation. And at that, I mean, that time you were like, you were like, I'm coming home. But there is a little bit like light at the end of the tunnel that maybe with the media, with Twitter, with Facebook, I can get through, right? Yeah, and also the embassy. Like, we knew that we had our rights in Sweden. We lived there. We had everything that they wanted, like all the documents. Yeah. It was just illogical that they weren't letting us through because of this list. Exactly. But then Sweden doesn't even have rules surrounding corona and was that strict rules exactly like they they i was reading the news it's like yeah we're, we're not gonna be really hard on the law because we need to let swedes enjoy the the, the holidays then after the holidays we can be yeah. strict with the law and i was like oh gosh like <laughs> doesn't make any sense and then they're allowed to walk through without a covid test you know <laughs> and so what happened after like basically so then a couple of hours passed and then this was like the worst part for me because they then asked the three other women they said come here you're allowed to go so they took their bags so then it was me left in the room and then this norwegian man and i at this point i was like what is this happening I just couldn't believe it. And then the girls like gave me loads of food and chocolate. They were like, it's going to be okay. We're going to fight on the other side to try and get you out. So they were allowed to go. I, feel, I mean, we're going to make a podcast here, but this is just a Hollywood blockbuster right here. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's crazy. You can make a movie about this. You can definitely make a movie about this. That's crazy. So they were allowed to go. And then I see them through the glass. I just remember in my head, like seeing them through the glass door, like waving at them. <laughs> You're like, I'm stuck here. <laughs> like a hamster in a cage. Yeah. And then they left and I, I was text. I remember texting them because we created this group and they said that they were allowed to go because they had an NHS test. So they hadn't paid, but I'd paid for a test. But I was still being detained. And I had the same test as the Norwegian man. So it's, it's not like we made the test up. Like it was a real test and me and the Norwegian man had the same identical test. So if I'm, if I'm putting the pieces together, so the Swedish government thought that you pay for a fake test. That's what in their mind was like, she, she so. pay and then she got this paper that is fake. Like what? Yeah, I think they did because it wasn't on their list. Oh gosh, okay. So they so then, left you there by yourself. And I remember, I think that's when I sent you at the end. And I was like, no, I asked you, it's like, why are you alone? And then you were like, because I don't have the right test. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh gosh, like, why? Poor, like, poor, poor little things. And then, yeah, we, it was, that was a, such a sad moment to see them go and just be here alone thinking, I'm going to have to get on a flight back to London. In did my you head, cry, like, Gina? Did you cry at some point? Did, I did, cried at that, that moment. Oh, you cry a lot. I yeah, I, I cried at that moment, definitely. And I just remember I had my blanket on the floor. <laughs> I just sat on the floor, just like, yeah, like what is happening right now? I just cried. Oh, gosh. At this point, the people from your work, they knew everything was happening, right? Yeah, they were trying uh, to contact the police. My boss was but they weren't going to comment on anything. And also the media had tried to contact the police to ask them, but they didn't want to comment on anything. Mm -hmm. Jeez. Okay, so, so then, you and the Norwegian guy, just sitting yeah. there, you were crying on the floor, basically the worst possible situation. Yeah. Ever. All right. Yeah. And then I felt like I needed to go outside. I needed to get air. So I asked them, like, I really need to go outside. I can't be in this room. And like, bear in mind, this room has no windows open or any windows that you can see out of. And you're just stuck in this room with like the police staring at you from this glass window, like you're an animal or something, you know, in a zoo. Oh my God. Okay. So I asked them, can I go and get some fresh air? And I went for a walk. But then they said, you need to have a police official next to you if you want to go for a walk. So I'm there walking. Like, he's like, you can go like up the road, but I'm going to walk next to you. So I feel like a criminal, you know? <laughs> this is just too much. Yeah. And okay, so you, so you, did you talk to him or you were just so pissed? Like you were just like in your head, you were probably like, gosh, like what's going on in your head at this point? I actually had a pretty normal conversation with him, which was quite nice. It kind of took my mind away from being detained in that room. Wow. And we just spoke about like Sweden and the weather, the usual Swedish <laughs> conversations. <laughs> and I just remember coming back into the room after like 10 minutes of being outside and just like feeling complete dread about coming back into that room, like a darkness. 
like your cage it was your yeah. cage. like mentally it like it was a cage but in your head it was like i'm being held here as an like an animal really yeah it felt or like doing that. nothing yeah for having the right papers yeah. and just not having a test on their list Jeez. Okay. So then at this point, it was like a couple of hours and I was telling the Norwegian man, you know, come on, you need to call the embassy. Like, keep contacting the Norwegian embassy because he couldn't get through. And I'd been on call to the British embassy quite a lot of this time. And they said they're working on it and they're going to send somebody from Stockholm on a flight to Gothenburg to help me. So the deputy, um, like diplomat was coming to Gothenburg to help me, but I just wasn't sure when. Oh. So I stayed there a couple of hours and then it, it just got even worse after that. Like things started to happen even more, crazy things that I felt like I was in a game. Really, like what? So then they told me I needed to get on the flight back to London and I said, no, I'm not going to London. My dad said, no, you're not going to London because they're on a lockdown. You won't be allowed back out. So I didn't know what was going to happen after this. But then I see like two people in the distance that look like passengers walking past. And I'm like, okay, are they going to let more people into this room? Like some kind of game? So they've got rid of three. And now they're bringing two people from London who didn't have the right test. One of them didn't have a test, which was fair enough, but the other one didn't have the right test. So they were bringing two new people into this room, like cows or like sheep. And I was like, is this like a game? I said to the policeman, is this like some kind of game? Like you're adding new people for like the social experiment or something, <laughs> I don't know. So I spoke to them. And they said, yeah, I've come off the plane from London. One of them, they didn't like their test. It wasn't on the list. And the other one was allowed on the plane without a test. So they you were also kidding me. Somebody just literally just flew and they let him in without a test. Yeah. But the, the, what? <laughs> so they added two new people to this room then. Jesus. So you were like, okay, so... Oh, gosh, this is such an improv. They just like like trying to make rules out of nowhere and improving everything. Like no. Yeah. Yeah. I just I don't think they knew what to do with us. So they they said that we couldn't move up to the nicer terminal because we might have the covariant. And the decision maker wants us to stay in this room. That fucker decision maker. Yeah, I don't even know who this is. But I'm going to get a letter through, apparently, from the border police with information about who that decision maker is. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. That's good. <laughs> so that's the guy that we're going to sue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Decision Maker. Okay. Well, that's crazy. So, so you, you, there's more people coming into the room. You are there. You're crying. The Norwegian guy is probably being Norwegian, just being there and talking with a weird accent. Okay. Yeah. And then... <laughs> he was like on the phone all the time, like laughing. And I don't know if he was used to this in Sweden, but his wife and his kids were in Sweden. So he needed to get back home, but he, he was fine, I think. Like, 
it was actually you got to know people quite well spending that amount of hours and like talking to them even though you are like half asleep exactly i've never been in jail but i think when you go to jail you actually <laughs> become friends with your like the people who's in your cell right yeah <laughs> it felt like that <laughs> it's exactly a jail and then yeah when these two new people came in they said we need to security check you this was like another thing that was so weird because i'm like why didn't you check me when i firstly came in to the airport why like now 15 hours later 15 do you want to check later. through my bags okay. so i'm like yes because i want to get out of this room like i'm going somewhere you know it's not this room so they yeah they say like we want to look through all of your luggage so you need to go to this room and there's like four police people and me so they make me do like the security check put all my things in the tray i step through the scanner and then they're like already i know they're being a little bit rude to me because they're they're just being very stern and then they say i need to check through your big 20 kilo luggage bag and i said why do you need to do that and then the police lady who was checking through my bag she says well you're not in the eu anymore you're like turkey now so we have to do this oh, and i was so like pull the brexit car yeah but then i was like why are you saying turkey why not like canada or you know the us Ah, no. So way. she checks, they check through all my bags, they pull out because I have like liquids. I buy loads of stuff in the UK and bring it back because it's cheaper. Exactly. So I have liquids in my bag, and she's like, We've got a lot, you've got a lot of liquids in here, we need to check through them. So she like pulls my bag apart, puts all my liquids into a tray, takes them off, and this other policeman checks them. And then she leaves my bag in like a mess, both of them. And she says, right, you can clean up your bag now. So I'm like trying to put everything away. And at this point, I'm just like, I'm not even going to argue with them. This is just ridiculous. And I know that they're trying to play games with me to get me to go On back. On the plane. Yeah, you just want, they just want to break you. God, yeah, they just wanted to break me completely. This is so fucked up. And then they mentioned again, you are going back to the UK. I said, no, I'm not. And I think they were so annoyed with me at this point. They, they just, yeah, they'd had enough of me. So then I, yeah, cleaned everything up and then went back to the room again. And I, I said to the British people, like, why did they do that? Did they do the same thing to you? And they said, yeah, I thought it was a bit like, it was a lot checking my bag just because I didn't have a Corona test. Exactly. Are you, are you bringing any Corona in your 20 kilos? <laughs> you just need to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I went back into the room again, the dreaded room, and stayed there for more hours. We had dinner, some chicken noodles that we had to put in the microwave again. And then I, I'm on the phone to my friend at this point. And I'm lying on the floor, like I'm trying to sleep. But I'm so tired. I've never been that tired in my life. Like, I think I was starting to hallucinate. I was that tired. And then Why were this so month. Tired? Because when, when you're in like stressful situations, your body's so tense, you know? That yeah. you, you don't realize it, but you're so tense. Yeah, and then exactly. Whenever you have a time 
that your body relaxed a little bit. There's maybe you were talking to your friend that your body relaxed and then you realize how tired you were, you know? Yeah. And I, I asked, I said, can I take a shower? I needed to wake up to the police officials. They said, no, you can't. They're just completely stone cold with me the whole time. And so I just remember sitting on the blanket talking to my friend about taking a flight back to London. And then this man walks past and I thought, oh my God, are they adding another detainee to this room? Are you joking me? But then he comes in and I'm on the phone and he wants to talk to me and I'm like, just one minute, wait one minute, one second, because I thought he wanted to ask me why I'm here. Yeah. And then I'm looking at him and he comes back up to me and I'm like, oh, are you the man from the embassy? I'm, like, I'm so sorry, I thought you were another detainee. just another guy just asking me a stupid question, like, you want to come back to London? <laughs> so then he, he's like, yeah, I'm the guy from the embassy. I'm, I'm the man from the embassy, the diplomat. And he spoke to me about what's happened and like what's happened so far, how they've treated me and what they've said to me. And I said, they want me to go back to London, but I can't go back there. I don't live there. It's in a lockdown. Like I live in Sweden and we were just speaking for a while. And then he said, he's going to go and speak to the police in a private place. So not in the room. So he went out and spoke to the police uh, for about half an hour. And then they came back in and they said, right, take your things. We're going to move you to a nicer, a nicer place to stay so that you can sleep better. So I was like so grateful at this point because I would maybe actually get some sleep. So what is crazy to me is like they had these kind of nice places, but they were not offering you this. Exactly. Not until, even... not, not until this, but like they just waited all this time. Yeah. And what's even more crazy is they allowed one of the guys who'd come into the room, one of the detainees from London. We later met him and he said that they put him into this room, the nicer room, because what it why? Why? Because he was a what? Yeah. They put they put him into this room because they liked him, I think. <laughs> I don't know why. But we later found him there and he said, Yeah, they took me to this room. I didn't know where you guys went. It was like a game of like different rooms. Like, have you seen the movie Platform? Like yes, different Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> different classes, you know. So we moved to this room and they said, would you like any dinner? And then they actually gave us tea with hot water. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> really? Yeah. I was like, well, why couldn't you do this before? I didn't ask, but. No, you no, in your, in your head, you were like, okay, you got, yeah. I have some questions here, you know? Yeah. So they gave us dinner at this point. And at this point, like the BBC were contacting me from the UK and all the um, newspaper articles the newspaper publishers were asking me to do interviews about the situation and I was like so tired but I wanted to get my story out there exactly so we had I had dinner and I was speaking with the new people that had arrived and it was nicer because I actually thought oh I'm gonna get some sleep now like I'm finally gonna get some sleep here 
because I put I said to myself in my head I'm not going to do another night I'm going to get on the flight back to London but now I had convinced myself that yeah maybe I will have to spend another night here but at least it's in a comfier place and it's not on hard surfaces or on the floor was there like a bed or or some sort of like a chair or you were sleeping on the ground still on the ground no there was like chairs without the without the, the separation between yeah exactly okay so they gave us dinner and then the chief policeman came up to me and at this point the man from the embassy the diplomat is still here but he's on the phone in another area of the room and this the policeman comes up to me and he says just to let you know we're looking at your test again and then he didn't say anything else he just left and then maybe it was like an for hour me, later for, for me it's just crazy like you you probably have been looking at this test for 26 hours it's not that you're gonna like the numbers are gonna change you know like exactly what else can you see there besides negative or positive you know exactly and another thing is my dad had been in contact with the director of the company like asking him can you send more information to the police authorities and he did he told them like he was working as a doctor for the national health service like it was a you know it was a valid test but they still didn't want to accept it but at this point when he did say we are going we are looking at your test i thought okay maybe there is a chance that like my positivity rose i thought maybe i'm gonna actually get out of this place today so then they came back the older policeman came back and he he got me and the other norwegian guy together and he said right we've checked through your tests and it's still negative by the way nothing <laughs> yeah. has changed it's really still freaking negative this paper is amazing it doesn't change yeah. <laughs> all right and then yeah he said we've decided your test is valid we can allow you to go and I'm like, oh my God, it's taking you 26 hours. So I've tried to tell you this. <laughs> I didn't say that, but in my head, I'm thinking this. And then, yeah, I was just, I can't tell you how happy I was. I've never felt like relief like that in my life. Oh, I've, okay. just, like, I've just been fighting for 26 hours to get through to Sweden. And it's happened. Oh, so then they let us out. And I spoke to the embassy man. Um, I thanked the policeman and he said, I did feel very bad for the way I treated you. And the policewoman said that she didn't sleep at night. But I was like, that's not what you were showing me <laughs> when you were giving me microwavable water, you know, like. Exactly. They actually said that to you. So the yeah, they said, they didn't say sorry, but they said that they didn't feel good for what they were doing. They felt think, very bad. You think the decision maker was the one who was like, treat them like shit, so they come back. Yeah, I do. <laughs> but this decision maker, the reason they weren't given a name, I guess, they were an anonymous, was that allowed them to do like treat us like this because we didn't know who they were. 
So then the policeman said, have a nice life and... Have a nice life. <laughs> he said, have a nice life. <laughs> Off you go. Have a and nice was life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we had a lot of jokes with them, though, like during the time that we were there with the policeman. Exactly. They didn't, they didn't understand the jokes, like British humour. I think they didn't yeah, quite yeah, get it. Yeah. <laughs> You call an Uber to go back home, or how did you get home? Did your friends pick no. you up, or like? I drove, which is even more crazy. Whoa. Like I hadn't slept, but I managed to keep awake for one hour, like driving. One hour—that's how far it's from Gothenburg to. Yeah, the like one hour fifteen. Jesus, came home, just drop everything, just straight to bed, or. I think I was like so overtired and just couldn't believe what had happened. Like I was on the phone to my family because my family didn't sleep the whole night because they were worried about me. And I was just talking to them about the situation, like what happened at the end. And then I just remember just sleeping for like 15 hours, I think. Your body was just over, like just... Yeah, overdrive. That's crazy. Fuck, that's insane. It's crazy yeah. that happened to you and probably happened to it's happened to everyone, a lot of people around the world right now. It's like yeah. it changed it changed by the hours. So it's like the yeah. rules, you know, and it's like But you don't expect it to happen in Sweden. I don't know, to especially when you've got rights to live there. Exactly. And to detain you in a room, I don't understand why they couldn't take us to a different place and quarantine us there or, or even like give us the test to allow us back in Sweden. And actually the funny thing was when they wanted us to go back to the flight to London, they said, we're going to bring somebody in if you're going to take the flight to test you so that you can get on the flight back to London. And we were like, well, why can't you just test us to let us back into the country? That makes zero fucking sense. That doesn't make any yeah. sense at all. So they had to test at the airport and... They, they would bring someone in. They didn't do testing at the airport, they, but they would bring someone in from... Uh, the hospital or the laboratory to test us. To a little, it feels like a social experiment. Like, yeah. We'd like we were like, that's insane. That's insane that they had tests at the airport. And oh gosh, I'm so sorry this happened to you. I'm not Swedish, but I'm so sorry this <laughs> happened to you. It made me stronger, so that's good. If it happens again, touch wood. Hopefully, it doesn't. Then at least. I'm you, aware of what will happen. <laughs> are you planning to fly back home anytime soon? I don't think I'm going to go on holiday for like, or anywhere for like <laughs> five until, years. Until the, until the next pandemic hits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until COVID-20 is in town. <laughs> oh, God. Any, yeah. any advice to everyone who's traveling right now, basically? I think like you should just stick to what you think is right like I knew I was in the right in that situation I had everything with me and I think you just need to stick to what you think is right and just That's keep going exactly. just keep trying if you're, if you're detained and you've got you know the right documents and there there's no justifiable reason why they're doing it just keep to what you believe in what Pretty you much. yeah 
like if you're if if you know because you you did everything according to the books from the beginning yes well gina i'm happy that you're home i'm happy I'm, me too <laughs> you're a tv star now <laughs> yeah um, with a mask on with a ma oh, really? <laughs> Yeah. If, if we make a movie, what will be the what will be the title of it? <laughs> so if you think about oh, it, a book. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't know. I guess you can talk to your kids at school and try to come brainstorming a little bit. <laughs> Probably come up with something good. <laughs> nice.